so the world was coming to town. It was the time of the Passover feast. And among them were some Greeks who sought out Philip, one of their countrymen from Bethsaida. They had heard of this Jesus, and they wanted to meet him. He was a rock star, or so they had heard. So Philip went to Andrew, the brother of Simon, who later became Peter. And the both of them headed off to see Jesus and to see if he wanted to meet them. Now, picture yourself on the great lawn of Central Park. There is Jesus sitting with his disciples in a huge crowd of people. The temple from Jerusalem has magically been transported to the north end of the Great Lawn. You got it so far? Every path is filled with Jews traveling days to be here to commemorate the Exodus, because that's what Passover is about. Pesach, as it is called, is the greatest of the three major festivals each year, and what place better than the Lawn of Central Park, the Great Lawn? The other two festivals are Sukkoth and the Shavuot. The first, the Feast of the Tabernacles, and the second, that of Pentecost. Well, I got to tell you, the crowds just kept filling in. If you didn't know any better, you would think they were coming there to see Simon and Garfunkel again. And they were going to be here for a while. Security measures in the great city of New York were stretched to the max. Although the crowds have been happy, friendly, and other than being a little tired and a little bit stressed trying to find places to stay and settling the kids and the animals down, but the weather was great and old friends were coming in and they were making their way to greet one another and make new friends as well. A great, really great festival was expected. It was early in that first week of the festival, which takes place on the 15th of Nisan, according to the ancient calendar, which is somewhere between March 15th and April 30th on our calendar. And it was still a few days off. There was much to do ahead of time, especially going through the purification rites that were required by the Torah. What existing days in the Jewish life these must have been. Passover's illuminating light all around, the sanctity beginning to be felt by everybody gathering. There are places to go with the greatest of teachers to study the Torah, like workshops all over the place. There were even classes on preparing for the Seder, cooking classes for the foodies. There's even a Seder table in one place with an orange on it. And when asked about it, the rabbi, a woman, remarked, you see, a, you see an orange on a Seder table about as much as you see a woman rabbi. Expect to see more of both. Time of much light, a common theme in Torah, and one that fills the universe these days. You should see the candles burning on the great lawn in the darkest night under the clearest of skies. It's easy to feel that light, the light above and the light below, and throughout the universe, all of that light becoming one. God is felt to be everywhere. Gathering. Study, prayer, days of preparation, becoming deeply in tune to the universe, the light, the sanctity of it all, 
remembering the great heroes and the forebears of the Hebrew community, the covenant with God, Moses, just amazing. Central Park, gosh, if it weren't so rooted to the ground, it would just lift itself up and fly away. And in this gathering, in this masses of people, who do the Greeks from Bethsaida seek out? Jesus, the biblical rock star. They heard he was in the park somewhere, and they are determined to see him. Because word about Jesus has spread. So when Philip and Andrew approach Jesus and they tell him that there are some folks from far away that just arrived and the first person they want to see, the person they're looking for is him, well, he knows what that means. It means that the time is nearly up. This nice little ministry of his, preaching about preparing for the end times, all within the context of the teachings and the traditions of the Torah, it was coming to a head was something that was even bigger. Maybe that he had imagined, maybe not. Knowing that it was just a bit dangerous to start to get this well known in just this sort of way. After all, you know, he had made some enemies. Sure, the crowds in the past, they'd, they'd been big and even at times oppressive. I mean, how often had Jesus run or retreated to the deserted place or into a boat on the sea to get away a bit. Or he would find his place in the quiet homes of his friends. But these crowds, they were pushing toward him and he knew it. These crowds were greater than any unveiling of any new iPad from Apple. This festival, this time, was just not another gathering. It was different. The city had now swelled to four or five times its normal size. The Roman soldiers had been brought in and they were everywhere overseeing the safety and the security and they were edgy as a bat in daylight. This was becoming even greater than Jesus had imagined. This was bigger perhaps than anything he had ever expected. As Jesus looked around, you know, he saw it. Suddenly, these tens of thousands of people, nearly 100,000 people the crowds were estimated at, were no longer gatherings of the several thousand by the lakeshore or those small sharing suppers at friends' homes. No, this crowd was festive and jovial and could be turned into something ugly if it got out of hand. The security guards knew that. The SWAT teams of the Russian military knew that. Jesus knew that. It was growing more tense with the arrival of every caravan. There were more people here, 20,000 more than can fit in Giant Stadium, which is why the Great Lawn was chosen, by the way. And the temple and all the space it took up, the vendors, the animals, the caravans coming and going, and well, if you knew that it had a potential to bring all of its wrath upon you, maybe you would feel a little storm-tossed as well. You know, I wonder if Jesus looked around at those pushing in closer, wondering, as I have from time to time in my life, as the crowds have gotten closer, friend, foe, 
Jesus knew he had choices. He didn't have to stay. Sure, he could have said, God, get me out of here, and I promise I will never call anyone a viper again or turn over another table in a temple. I promise. But he didn't. In the midst of the mobs pushing ever closer, he tells his disciples that there are times, and this is one of them, when you need to be all in. Stay on the path. Perhaps they were only half listening, these disciples of his, pulled into the excitement of the crowd themselves, suddenly famous by the extension of the one they called their rabbi. Look around, he might have said. Not at all of those who have ever lived. Don't think of everyone who has ever lived before being here. But look at the lives of those who have come before us and what they have produced. Look at this crowd. All of us, you know, we die. We are like that seed that needs to die to flourish. And when we die, we, you, all of us will flourish. As long as you don't hold back your love from God. Give your love yourself to God. Then give yourself to God's glory, he might have said. He might even have quoted the Beatles. The Beatles, one of his favorite groups to be. Who in their song, The End, the last song in the last album called Abbey Road, they said this, in the, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. I can hear Jesus telling the disciples, take the love God has given you, placed in you, placed in me in the presence of you, and go make this elsewhere. Spread this love, spread this good news to the ends of the earth. Perhaps there was a premonition of just a few days hence what he would say at that last dinner when he would be sitting there with his friends. And maybe he said this out loud or maybe he thought it. Maybe the disciples missed it. Or perhaps he looked at them as children in many ways and softly he offered it in a whisper as a prayer and a hope. And when you do these things, when you make this love for others, do this in memory of me. Remember me always as I will remember you. It was a time of presentation, of preparation, and no one knew this better than he. These next two weeks will show just how much he was right, how much attention was able to build. You know, years later, Jesus would look back on the 30s, not the ones we might know. And he would read what was written about him. He would wonder where some of the things people wrote came from. How some of the stories that he read thousands of years later ever even got started. He understood that there were those who would elevate him like John to a high Christology, and he always got a kick out of that expression, high Christology. There would be those, too, who would use his teaching and wisdom to guide radical movements of every kind, and he really liked that. 
And there were others, too, looking for an icon who would try to persuade others to follow sometimes in their ways, who would paint him to be stoic or gleefully walking to his execution without anger or fear because he knew all things to come. Jesus' faith was rock solid. And he said he would do it again. But there were moments, tough moments, that no one other than he could ever know. Still, his compassion for the human family was and is great. He saw so many who were in such dire straits make this journey to the festival. People he remembered faithful, hoping, sometimes hobbling, sometimes being carried, or just being led. It's hard to imagine, really, how much he loved them all, how much he still loves us, even those who at that time were about to cause him great harm. Somehow he managed to love them too. He was a son of God, as we are all sons and daughters of God. But he was different. He was a holy man, a healer, unlike any other. You know, years later, Jesus was heard to comment over a latte. There was just no way for everyone to know what I had been given and how I desperately wanted everyone to know all about God in the way I knew about God. Once in recounting a scene of some of this for one of the cable channels, he chuckled a bit when he said, you know, I felt God everywhere. It was so strong. My body felt like it was being powered by cosmic forces beyond the universe and the times we knew, and it was. In fact, I was so sure that everyone else felt it or could feel it, so sure that it was building to this great charisma, this truth, that it was about to explode. I was sure the world could not sustain it and the end was coming near days away, in fact. Days away, as this presence of God just grew and grew and grew, it could not be sustained. I was right. But I had the timing a little wrong. It will end, you know. But not as I first thought. And then he got quiet and calm. But suddenly you could see the lines of pain that were on his face on those days back then. And almost in a whisper, he said, I had it wrong. All those things I've been saying about the end of the world, it wasn't coming to the world as I thought. It was coming to me. I remember thinking that at the festival, sensing it more, really. It was powerful. And the only way I could stop it was to step off the path And I thought about it, but I couldn't. After all, saving my own life was giving up everything I believed in and knew in God. How could that ever have been a choice? So the forces were coming into great collision, and on that forces and in that collision, I would be lifted up onto the cross. You know, it's funny. In all of those years, I worked for my earthly father as a carpenter. I never once made a cross. 
but it would be on that cross that God's great love met head on with all that was wrong and lost in this world. Just like that seed flourishing once dead, a new explosion of love would be born. It would be changing the world. It is still changing the world. It's just taken a little longer than I thought. And when he was asked what he would like people to remember most, he said what he had said many times before. Know that I am always with you. God and Spirit and I are with you in many ways. And when we speak to you as one from beyond your number of three for us, or whatever number you give to us, for there is no number to us that you could ever really understand, listen to us, please. Call upon us, listen, pray, come together, act. Know that you are loved. You are and always have been my beloved. And then almost as if thinking about the confusion of interpretations and opinions and studies and critiques and guides, chuckling again that so many have thought that the answers are in the words on a page, millions and millions of pages, he reminded those around him that the only words that were recorded that he had ever written were etched into the sand and washed away. Keep it simple, he said. Remember the great commandments. Remember the schema. To love God and to serve God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. And the second of the greatest commands, love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, it still holds. Remember that I taught you this. And look around for me, because I am always with you. And then Jesus said, you know, just follow me in these things. You'll be fine. Trust me. I know. And he said, God bless you. Amen.